right, good afternoon, everyone. It's an honor to give the first sermon in person since February here at uh, the church. For those of you guys that don't know me, uh, I've been with this church for over 14 years. I just beat out Lisa. Uh, and uh, I've been serving full-time as a missionary to the orphans here in Korea. I lived with uh, the kids in an orphanage for my first three years and currently direct a scholarship and mentoring program for orphans after they leave the children's homes. Today's message, as Pastor Susie mentioned, uh, is the fourth in a series on the Lord's Prayer. And as we've heard in previous weeks, Jesus instructs us to begin our prayers with praise. Begin our prayers by getting that right perspective with God, that He is our Father. He loves us. He cares for us. He provides for us. He protects us. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. You are set apart. You are wonderful. You are majestic. As we start our prayers with praise, our perspective gets right. We're filled with faith. We know we have a Father who's listening to us, who cares about us, and He's good, and He's worthy to live for. And this leads to the next part of the Lord's Prayer, and it's Matthew 6.10. See how the slides look? Okay, it's a little small, but hopefully you guys can, can, can read it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the title of my sermon today is simply, Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come. And my hope is that through this message, those three words, Your Kingdom Come, will mean so much more to you. That it will actually define your life. That's my hope through this message. So I'll read it to you guys again. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to take the least notes possible for this sermon, then please at least write the title, your kingdom come. And then in all caps, write two words, purpose and yearning. Purpose and yearning. A purpose for our daily life and a yearning for what is to come. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Purpose and yearning. But before I can explain about the purpose of the Lord's Prayer, this part of the Lord's Prayer, or the yearning, I first need to define the word kingdom. I think a lot of people wonder, well, what does that mean, your kingdom come? What is the kingdom? And this was something that Jesus spoke about a lot in the Gospels. He would say, the kingdom of God is like... The kingdom of God is like, and he would share parable after parable after parable. And the Pharisees and the disciples still didn't really get it. And they kept asking him and asking him. And he would tell the disciples, to you is given the secrets to know what the kingdom of God is. And they still didn't get it. And they kept asking and asking. He'd say, hey, as you go, preach this message. Heal them and preach this message. The kingdom of God is near. Finally, there was one moment where he kind of slipped and he kind of revealed what the kingdom was pretty clearly. And it's in Luke 17, verses 20 to 21. I'll put it up here. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Now, what was in the midst of the Pharisees at this moment? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So what is the kingdom? I'm going to give you 
the most simple definition that I could come up with. Now, this is not like the perfect definition. You know, I think if you read about the kingdom at seminaries or other places, it's going to be a long thing. But hey, to keep it really simple, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is God's authoritative presence. God's authoritative presence. Now, I'll go into that a little bit more right here. The kingdom is God's presence and his rule. You can't have a kingdom without a king. Okay, you have to have someone in authority. That's God. The kingdom is freedom, love, peace, safety, comfort, all the fruit of the spirit. It's heaven. Okay, the kingdom is heaven. The kingdom lives within us. It's not just way up there, but God lives within us. The kingdom lives within us and is revealed when we move with God, when we allow God to be the authority in our lives, that's when the kingdom is being revealed through us. But the kingdom will be fully established when Jesus returns and reigns on earth. So while his presence is all around us, currently he is not ruling the earth. He will rule the earth when Jesus returns. Now God's in control, he's omnipotent, but right now he's saying, wait, I'm coming soon. I haven't come yet. So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we're no longer of this earth. We need to understand this as Christians. We experience freedom, love, and peace. We're freed from the grips of sin. We were, current, we were previously slaves to sin, enchained under the lordship of the devil. But when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he breaks those chains and he releases parts of his kingdom into us. We're still in our flesh, so we're still living here on earth. We still have to deal with temptation, but he gives us a grace to no longer be enslaved to those temptations, to no longer be enslaved to the way of the devil. We are now new creations set apart for God. No longer citizens of the kingdoms of earth. Now we're citizens of the kingdom of God. Philippians 3:20 it reads, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So as citizens of heaven, what is our purpose for here on earth? Wouldn't it be just easiest if we all, I mean, it sounds morbid, but we all just died right now, so we go to heaven and actually be in the kingdom? The world tries to make you think this world is great. Hey, look at the food we got. Look at your travel options. Can't travel right now, you know. Not so great right now, right? Now people are kind of like, yeah, maybe heaven is better than earth. As you go look at me with masks on. It's kind of creepy up here. Why are we still here? We're here to walk with God. To know him more. And to reveal him here on earth. To reveal him to the lost. And when we reveal him, that is revealing, giving glimpses of his kingdom. Our purpose in our lives, they're not meant to be for our own ambitions, for ambitions, for our own desires, our own kingdom. The purpose of our lives now as citizens of heaven under the lordship of Jesus Christ is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the purpose of our lives. And when we pray, if this is not the purpose of our lives, if we don't declare this in our prayers, guess what we're praying? We're just praying what we want. We're just praying about us and our own kingdom. 
hey, God, I got this kingdom down here and I want a better job and, and I want this and, and God, take care of this. Won't you help me with my kingdom? Guess what? Your, your prayers aren't really like blessing heaven, you know? Angels aren't exactly rejoicing at your prayers. It's actually pretty like, what's wrong with you? Jesus died for you. You know, his blood covers you. You've tasted the kingdom. You've experienced freedom and joy and love. Don't you want to know him more? Don't you want to live for him? Don't you want to experience heaven more and more with every day? Because every day you walk with him, that's getting closer and closer to his kingdom. So we have to pray, God, take authority in my life. Your kingdom come. Let your presence be felt in me and through me. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, if God is not the purpose of our lives, then we're just living our own lives as orphans here on earth. We're not part of the kingdom. We're not part of the family of God. Our prayers must align with his kingdom, with his heart, with his authority. And this is why he speaks so clearly in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let that be your purpose. And all these things will be added to you. You know, we worry about the provision. We worry about the job. We worry about these different things. But if you just make God your purpose, if you just walk with him, of course, he's going to take care of you. He's going to bless you. It might not be in every single way you think it will be, but it's going to be good because he's a good father and he loves you. Why would he not want to bless you? He died for you. He, he already died for you. You know, what more do you, are you asking to prove that, that he's good? And that he loves you. Of course, he will take care of you. There will be times of suffering. There will be times of struggle. We're still in a kingdom on earth that's under the lordship of the devil and sin. We have God reigning within us, but this is not a perfect place. This is not heaven. Okay, so it's not going to be perfect. Oh, you know, now God's my Lord and he's my purpose. So life's just going to be perfect every day. But I can guarantee you this. You will have no regrets if you walk with God. And you will experience a joy that the world cannot take away. A peace that the world cannot take away. It's worth it. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the purpose part of the Lord's prayer. You start with praise. We've got to recognize that God's good. Otherwise, why would we want to follow him? Recognize that he's our father, that he loves us, that he's good. We praise him, give him glory. Okay, now we go into the purpose. God, purpose of my life is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to know you more and I want you to reign in me and through me. So now some of you guys might be asking, all right, kind of getting the kingdom part as God's authoritative presence and he reigns in me. And so when I declare your kingdom come, I'm basically saying, God, reign in me. All right. I want you to be Lord of my life daily. That's good. But what about God's will? Does this mean I have to be a missionary somewhere? You know, what, what, what exactly is God's will for my life? Let's go with very simple explanations again. I could do like a five-part series on, on this message, but I'm going to try and just, shh, what's God's will for your life? Let me just give it to you in two verses. Matthew 22, sorry, three verses, 37 through 39. This is Jesus sharing. He said, to, he said to him, this is the greatest commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great 
and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God, what is your will for my life? What am I supposed to do? Well, first and foremost, you're called to praise him. You're called to love him. And you're called to experience his love. All right. And then you can call this righteousness, but to be right with God, I'm going to know God, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're going to worship him. You're going to connect with him. You're going to get filled with him. We love because God first loved us. You're going to be filled with his love. You're going to release love back to him. You're going to be connected with him. It's like a vertical love. But what happens when you keep getting filled with God's love and you keep declaring, God, I want you to reign in my life. Guess what? You have the Holy Spirit within you and he's going to start to direct you. This is how you get to know the will of God in your life. You're going to start to feel his love, his compassion, a stirring within you. And it's not just going to be love. It's also going to be joy. It's going to be peace. There's going to be anticipation. And he's going to start to stir in your heart. And you're going to begin to go out and to love others as you walk with him. I think a lot of churches... And I got this same spirit as I was growing up said, you have to go, you have to go and you have to do this and you have to do this. And it freaked me out. And if someone asked me, you know, when I was 20 years old, you want to be a missionary? I would have said, no, that's scary. I don't want to go out there. I feel like I have to out of compulsion. It feels like God's a master and I'm a slave. And if I want to earn it, then I got to do it. It's complete opposite. You see, what God wants is for us to love him, to be filled with his love. And as we're filled with his love, something natural starts to happen within us where he gives us love for others. And it's a joy to walk with him. I don't go and, and love somebody because I have to. I go because my heart is stirred. And when I get to love them, there's, there's a joy within me to do it. You see, the love for our neighbor must come from our loving relationship with God. The decisions that we make for our future, what job am I going to take? Where am I going to live? These things, as you pray, God is going to lead you in what you look for to know, is this the will of God? Do you feel peace? Do you feel his presence? Is it anxiety, compulsion, and fear that's motivating you? Or is there peace? Is there excitement? Is there joy? You know, not every decision you're going to make that's led by the Lord, is not, it's not going to seem like a holy decision. You know, like my wife and I, as we're praying about where do we move to next, it's not like a holy decision of, well, let's move to the slums of Seoul and, you know, do this. No, we're just praying over different apartments. But we pray and we want God in the decision. We want God's blessing. We want to listen to God. And it's, I could tell you testimony after testimony. I've moved so many times here in my 14 years of Korea, but how God has led us and blessed us. As we just walked with him. He cares about you guys. And uh, I'll tell you guys, I'm working with orphans. I've witnessed a lot of people in justice movements who, on this end, they're walking with God. They're loving the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's from that love that they're going out and they're caring for the homeless. They're caring for the refugee. And they're caring the orphan. You know how I know that they're doing that from that love is that there's a peace about them. There's a patience about them. They're not getting all bent out of shape over timing and over all these different things. They're walking with God. And there are moments where they move because they feel God leading them to move. 
but they're not always like in this panic. But oh my gosh, on the other end of the spectrum, and this is happening more and more in the world, you have these zealous people, passionate. We gotta love the orphans, and we gotta do it now. And they're telling this to me, who has been serving the orphans for so long. I'm like, yes, yes, you know. And they look at me and judge me for not being there 24 seven or not, you know, doing all these things. And we have to do this. We have to do this. And I remember early in my years here in Korea, I used to just be like challenged by them. Like, wow, they're so inspirational. And then, you know, two or three months later, I'd be like, Hey, where are you? They're not picking up the phone. They flamed out or they moved on to something else. Just a ton of fire, but, but no foundation. And uh, it's scary, and I've, I've actually started teaching different pastors and, and justice ministry people that hey, you have to be led by the Lord, you have to be patient, you need to learn how to wait, and you've got to watch out for the really zealous people. And one of the ways you can know whether God is truly their Lord or not is, are they patient? If you say, no, we can't do this right now, do they freak out? Say, no, I've got to do this right now because these works define me, not God, but these works define me. That's the ways you can tell who their Lord is and what kingdom they're really making. Is it their own kingdom? Look at me and look at the justice works that I've done. Wow, I'm so great. Or is it God's kingdom? I'm just walking with God. I love the Lord. He's good. If it's thousands, tens of thousands, millions saved, wonderful. If it's not so many, he's still good and I don't want to miss a day without him. I'll I'll just give this line right here. I'll put it on the slide. It says, any justice movement that isn't led by God is a justice movement that will just change one worldly kingdom into another worldly kingdom. There will be no lasting freedom, love, or peace. You see, if God is not in authority, if God is not reigning, you're not going to have that freedom. You're not going to have that love. You're not going to have that peace. But for people who are led by the Lord, you're going to get true glimpses of heaven here on earth. We're citizens of heaven. So when we gather together like today and we worship, there's glimpses of heaven happening here. That kingdom is being revealed. There's these moments where it's just this unity and there's this power. And uh, I, I think some of the greatest moments I've experienced the kingdom have been the arts and crafts camps and the soccer camps that Jerusalem ministry has done for the orphans. And we gather these, these kids, you know, these elementary kids from different orphanages, all these horrible backgrounds, and they don't like each other when they come, and, and they just have all these insecurities and all these fears. But we train our volunteers. We tell them to be love and to have, you know, patience and to have care. And, and you know, we, we basically train them in how to love them. And the kids arrive and the setting is just so thick with love and joy that the kids start to transform. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that from day one to day three, you start to see a glow on them to the point where the orphanage staff recognize it when the kids come back. It's something so beautiful. And the volunteers will ask me like, well, what about that kid? You know, I love that kid. That kid's so wonderful. I'm like, oh, that kid? That kid was in prison, uh, you know, a short bit ago, a detention center, and the home's about to give up on him. You see, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
where the kingdom of God is. I, I don't care how big the devil tries to think he is and how much sin he tries to throw on us, how much slime. When we get in the presence of a loving God, there's no condemnation. There's a love, there's a freedom, there's a joy, and there's a peace. And what we need to know is that anytime we walk with God, when he is authority over our lives and we're walking with him, we're releasing glimpses of the kingdom here on earth. People are starting to taste and see the goodness of God, the goodness of his presence in heaven. Matthew 10, 7 and 8, and Luke 10, 9 say this very clearly. Jesus says to the disciples, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. They're revealing the kingdom as they go. 10.9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Anytime God's love is revealed through us, whether it's healing, whether it's deliverance, whether it's people being raised from the dead, or it's just an orphan being hugged and smiled at, people are getting a taste of the kingdom of God. Anytime God's freedom, love, healing, peace, and joy are released on earth, people are getting a taste of God's authoritative presence. So now you understand, I hope you understand the purpose part of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to live for God's kingdom and not our own. We're called to love God with all that we are, to love our neighbor as ourselves as God leads us. But there's more to this prayer than just a purpose for our lives. I mentioned before that the prayer, your kingdom come, it's not just a purpose for our daily life, but it's also a yearning for what is to come, a yearning. What does the word yearn mean? To yearn means to have an intense feeling or longing for something. Typically, something that has been lost or has been separated from typically something that has been lost or has been separated from. When we pray your kingdom come, there is a yearning within us for God to return. To return and to reign over this earth. There's a yearning to see him. And I want to tell you there's a great power in this yearning. I remember attending in 2004 the One Thing Conference at the International House of Prayer. And during the conference, I attended a seminar that just had a great title. It was How to Be an Apostolic Minister. And I didn't know what apostolic meant, but I was like, that sounds good. I want to I be like Peter and Paul. I want to be effective. I want to be anointed. I want to be, you know, just raising the dead, doing all these things. I want to be an apostolic minister. So I go to the seminar and uh, the speaker, uh, Alan Hood, had uh, someone come out and lead worship. He said, hey, you know, kind of like the Lord's Prayer. He's like, I think before sharing, it's much better that we praise first. And so uh, he had the worship leader just lead us acoustic guitar in this small auditorium. And man, presence of God just started moving through the room and it was so sweet so powerful and this guy Alan he finally comes back I mean we're praising for like 40 minutes to the point where I'm like we got like 10 minutes left for this I want to know how to be an apostolic minister and uh he comes out and he's just crying 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 
And he says to us, the secret to being a true apostolic minister is missing God. It's missing Jesus. How much do you miss him? How much do you want to see him? Jesus told his disciples that once the gospel went to the ends of the earth, then he would return. Then the end would come. So they lived to make this happen. They took the gospel as far as they could go, and they sacrificed their lives that the world might know him and that he might return. They missed Jesus. They had experienced intimacy with God, and they had experienced true heaven here on earth, and they wanted to see him again. They wanted him back, and they were willing to make whatever sacrifice necessary to make that possible. It wasn't just the first disciples, though. You see, the whole early church had a very specific greeting for one another. It was an Aramaic greeting. It wasn't Greek. And the words were Maranatha. Whenever they would see each other, it wasn't hello, it wasn't shalom. It was Maranatha. And the meaning of Maranatha is, our Lord, come. We see this in 1 Corinthians 16, 22. This was written in Aramaic. Our Lord, come. You see, the early church that we read about in the book of Acts, they were no longer living for themselves. They were no longer living for their own kingdom. They were now living for God's kingdom. They wanted to know him. They wanted him to be revealed and they wanted him to return. And this early church knew they could face imprisonment and even execution any day for their beliefs. Their treasure wasn't here on earth. Their treasure was in heaven. True intimacy with God. They were willing to give up anything for his presence. They wanted his rule. You know, for us, as we get older, uh, this is a pretty young church. Um, I'm 38, and I I think I'm considered one of the older people uh, here. Let me tell you, young people, (laughs) as you get older, you start to realize, heaven's so much better. I want God. I wasn't meant for this. Body starts to break down. The flesh is still there. Temptation is still there. The world is getting darker and darker. You know, when I was younger, I was so optimistic. And I had so much hope for mankind and and for the, you know, everybody. We can do this together. And I had so much energy. And I've been a bit weathered, (laughs) you know, living here. And I've continued to taste and see that the only good is God. The only one to be trusted is him. And it's his spirit working in each of us. And that he's so much better. And you know, this world, the Bible is very clear, is only going to get darker and darker before he returns. It's always the darkest right before dawn. It's going to get darker and darker. So we have to kind of lay down our worldly optimism. of We can still make this all right. And we got to learn, God, your kingdom is so much better. And I want you to be revealed. And I believe there are going to be moments where you are going to care, you know, like we care for the orphans. You're going to care for someone else. And there's going to be glimpses of his kingdom through your lives. But the knowledge is, is that 
True justice, true peace, the kingdom will not truly be established here until Jesus returns. And so there's a yearning that has to stir in our hearts. God, make the hurting stop. God, no more orphans. No more broken people. No more people slaves to sin. Lord Jesus, we pray return. Come and make things right. Come, take true authority here. You're the reason that we live. You are the purpose of our existence to worship you and to know you. And God, we want to know you completely. So return. Come, Lord Jesus. The last chapter of the Bible, Jesus gives this promise three different times in Revelation 22. I am coming soon. I'm coming soon. Here are the last two verses of scripture. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen.